Hi everyone and welcome to our online service from my side. I'm Louis Skipper. I'm the lead pastor of Prodeo Church and I want to welcome our whole Prodeo family, everyone watching on Seals Course. And if you're here today for the first time tuning in, I want to give a warm, warm welcome to you. I am so excited about today because it's Father's Day. It's my second Father's Day. I've got a 20-month-old daughter and it is such a huge privilege to be a father. And I want to today say well done to all the fathers out there who are good husbands, who are good fathers, who give their best to take care of their families, to be the priest in the house the way God wants us to be. But on this day, just in this week, President Cyril Ramaphosa talked about gender-based violence, about how men hurt women. And on this day, I think it's also something for us to remember and it's something to pray about. We are one of the countries with the highest level of, of absent fathers. About two-thirds of our children grow up without fathers. That's not God's plan. We are in a country with a high level of murders and rape, and often women are, are drawing the short straw on that. So I want to encourage you to do two things today. One is to truly celebrate your fathers. So if, if you are a child watching this, go and write them a card, make him some coffee. If you're a husband yourself today and a father and your father is still alive, give him a call, make sure to give him a shout out. So let's celebrate our own fathers. But also, let us make time to pray for our country, to pray for the men and the fathers in this country to stand up again and to be the kind of men that God wants us and them to be. The second thing I'm excited about today is I've got the privilege of introducing to you another one of my friends who will be bringing the message today and his name is Joseph Barkley. Joseph is a musician, he used to be a musician, still is himself as well and he planted a church called Radius in Hollywood LA and I met him a couple of years ago at a conference and I wanted to tell two stories because sometimes a story says more about a person than just some some beautiful words, right? So we met them. We were supposed to, I was supposed to be preaching at a church in LA. It got canceled last minute for emergency. So we were kind of like, we don't know where to go like over the weekend or what to do. And he's like, come and stay with us. And, and we're like, okay, let's do it. It's, we, we're going to have a couple of days in LA. We might as well enjoy it. So we went there, him and his wife were out on a date. So we knock on the door and the nanny and his two daughters opened the door with a big pit bull. And the next moment, this pit bull darts past me and he's like out in the streets. So they are like, oh, she got away again. So I'm running after, this is my first encounter at the house, I'm running after a pit bull that I do not know in the streets of LA, trying to catch him. And later I found out he's on this mission to catch skunks. And then he catches them, they spray him all over and he stinks for a couple of days. Luckily, we caught him before, before he created a mess like that. So that was just a fun story. But here's the one I really wanted to share. We didn't know where we were gonna sleep in his house. So we were waiting for, for them to get back from the date. They come back and they're like, listen, our room and our bed is ready for you guys. You can sleep there. And I'm like, but where are you sleeping? And they inflated a mattress in the living room. And that is where they slept for a couple of nights while we, Yolanda and myself, slept in their bed. 
And I told her afterwards, I don't know if I would have done that for strangers. But that is such a beautiful story to show what kind of a man, what kind of a servant leader Joseph and his wife is. So I want to welcome him today. I know he's got a message that especially for a time like this, a time where we're facing this pandemic, where we are in lockdown, where the world is facing all these issues with racism and economy crashing and all kinds of stuff that hurt us so deeply. He's got a message for us today on how to make a difference in this world in this moment so let's let's welcome joseph and even if you're sitting in your living room let's just give him a hand it's a way that we say even even there we celebrate you and we appreciate you joseph thank you for being with us today we are expectant about the message that you will bring you know we had a chance to meet louis and yolani a few years back in dallas texas and my wife and i immediately hit it off with your leaders and let me just tell you Prodeo Church, you are led by some of the most creative, compassionate, and brave leaders I have ever come across. Uh, it's been an, an incredible honor to get to know uh, the Skippers. It's We had them at our home when they were in California uh, doing some work out there, and so we have a deep affection for them, and for lots of reasons, it's a privilege to be invited to speak into the community that they've helped serve and sacrifice for, and just I know that you were watching this through a screen and I wish we could be in the same space, but I, I hope you know how incredible your leaders are. So even right now, you know, this might be enough encouragement for you to, this might be the only reason that you're listening to me today is so that you can text them or direct message them or email them and just tell them how grateful you are for their lives and for their sacrifice. Maybe you should pull your resources together and get them this huge gift card just to bless them in this season. You should do that. Uh, but I wanted to speak a message that I think is going to be helpful for us just really quickly today. And uh, I pray that this is going to serve you well for the life that you're facing. There's a phrase that I'm hearing a lot right now, and that phrase is, it would take a miracle, uh, you know, for the COVID crisis to be behind us and for life to get back to some kind of freedom like we had before all this, it would take a miracle. Uh, for the economy to bounce back or for you to get employment again, you might feel like it would take a miracle. Right. Or uh, for those of you who have kids and you weren't used to homeschooling them, but now traditional school wasn't available, you're homeschooling and you're hoping not to screw them up too much so they become fully functioning adults, you might think it would take a miracle. For systemic racism and bigotry and prejudice to actually be conquered like we have suffered from for four centuries in the United States and I know you have suffered from for generations in South Africa, you might think it would take a miracle. And so what I wanna talk about today is how to live the kind of life that puts you on the front lines of a miracle. How do you position yourself to be a part of the miracle you want to see in the world that you're living in right now? And it's going to need to be a life of great, big faith. Now, I don't know what that sounds like to you, but a lot of times when people think of faith, they think of some sort of superstitious optimism, like I'm just kind of hoping, wishing that the world is going to improve, and I'm going to hold out wishing that it's, it's going to get better. Uh, maybe you've seen people who kind of sell you faith and say that they've got supernatural powers if you pay enough money to heal you or to predict the future. Uh, you know, because in every generation where there is desperation, there is also an openness, a curiosity to the supernatural, to the extraordinary. There's an openness to a, a kind of faith. And where there's desperation, there's always people there to take advantage of that desperation. And you can usually spot them a mile away because they've got big hair. And that big hair might be some indication that they've got some sort of superpowers, which is also a reason why I clearly will never have those superpowers. 
But there's another kind of manipulation, right, uh, that's a little more hidden, insidious, uh, a little less obvious. And that comes from people like me, frankly, who see the desperation of the world and then they make emotional appeals, they share the right hashtags, they're caught saying the right things so that they can win you over. But really when you get under the surface or behind the scenes, there's no action taken to, act, to create the world that we long for. Uh, and people like me might say Jesus hundreds of times, but that kind of hypocrisy has nothing to do with Jesus who actually wants to make a miracle happen in our lifetime and in this generation. So what is it that we're talking about? I'm not talking about a sham of faith that, that puts us behind or that keeps us trapped or that keeps us scared. Jesus said that if you had any measure of faith, the tiniest little bit of faith, you could actually move mountains. So what is that all about? Well, I'm going to ask it. Can you and I, can we graduate to a level of faith where the miracles that we want to see in the world actually become, listen, a routine event? Miracles actually happen. I'm not talking about walking on water. That would be incredible. But I'm talking about the kind of miracles we could use. The kind of miracles we could really use right now, like a miracle in your financial world. A miracle in the isolation and the division that we're experiencing in our community. A miracle in the, in the spiritual disconnection and despondency of this generation. I'm talking about a miracle of racial reconciliation. I'm talking about a miracle that changes the destructive patterns of our marriages. I'm talking about the kind of miracles we could use. Well, the first thing that we got to remember is that to live a life of faith is to live a life of more than just belief, because belief by itself is no match for fear. We believe all kinds of things and yet hesitate to act on them, right? No, faith is a life of choices, a life of choosing, even if you don't feel it. It's a life of not just believing, it's believing into. It's a, it's a life of acting as though it's entirely true. That's a life of faith. So the question we have today is, what kind of choices, what lifestyle of decisions do we need to, to live so that we activate the miraculous in our world? Jesus famously healed people. I don't know if you believe that or not, but that's what the reports say in his biographies. But did you know that Jesus didn't just heal people by himself, but he actually delegated that healing miracle to his followers. And not just the 12 that maybe you've heard of before, but so many more. And I want to take us to Luke's biography of Jesus in chapter 10, where he delegates that miraculous work to so many people. Here it is in verse 1. The Lord, that's Jesus, now chose 72 other disciples, and he sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. Now, I don't believe that Jesus actually did anything that you can't read into. So here where it says he chose 72 other disciples, I think he's sending a message because at the time, Jewish tradition held that that's how many nations there were in the world, 72 nations. So if he's sending 72 people, what he might be telling us and telling the people who first paid attention to this is that every nation in the world, every person in the world can participate in the miracle he's about to delegate. He said, I want you to go to all of the places I'm about to visit. In other words, and mark this, this is really important. I want them to see you before they get introduced to me. I want you to be the first impression of me. So here's his instructions in the next sentence. The harvest is great. In other words, you're never gonna run out of opportunity, but the workers are few. A lot of supply, very little demand. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. There's so much out there. And I want, I want you to ask him to send more workers into his fields, more people to go. And then here's what he's, he's telling him to do. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out 
as lambs among wolves. And if they're paying attention, they're like, wait, what? Like, I'm all for you sending us out on some sweet, like, Mission Impossible, but you're sending us out like, like what? Like, lambs? Among what? Wolves? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to get right on that. But what he's just telling them is, listen, don't be surprised if you face some hostility, some pushback, maybe even from time to time some danger if you're really putting yourself on the front lines where miracles happen. And here's how he tells them to, to go out, what he tells them to do. Whenever you enter someone's home in a place I want to reach, a place I want to go, first say, may God's peace be on this house. In other words, find people who really want you to be in their lives, okay? Peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, if they want you there, the blessing will stand. In other words, you can provide some benefit for them. Now, if they're not, the blessing will return to you. You should go and invest the goodness somewhere else. That's okay. Don't force your way in. But he also says, don't move around from home to home. You don't have to cover every problem. You don't have to cover every life. Plant yourself in one story at a time and invest deeply. And here's the strategy that unlocks the miracle in every single life that he puts you in contact with. Verse 9, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. So in other words, if someone has needs and you can address them, meet those needs. But then I also want you to share with them. I want you to tell them something. Share that the kingdom of God is near you now. And if you don't understand what that is, it simply means life as God knows it. Life as God knows it, which is different than life as we're used to it, life as God knows it is close to you. It's available to you. It's right here where you live, right here where you work, right here where you're afraid. Now, the next few verses reinforce how crucial that message is. It's really important that we don't just help, but we also share where this is coming from. There's more where this is coming from. That God has so much more for every life we come in contact with. But he also cautions them along the way. Don't force it down anybody's throat. Just because it's important, you don't have to shove it down anybody's throat. It's their decision, okay? He'll share with them, serve them and then let them decide for themselves. Now, I don't know, they go out, and I don't know how much time elapses here, but here's how the teams come back after serving and sharing. And I'm gonna warn you, if you're not used to this, it's gonna sound a little crazy. Verse 17, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to Jesus, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And demons here are these unseen forces that Jesus and the disciples believed were behind all of the things we hate in our world, all behind deceit and violence and injustice and pain, and this is not easy stuff to face. You know, but if, if we're left to think that all this is is just some break in our circuitry or maybe some glitches in our family of origin, that might be a good place to start, but Jesus actually believed that the demonic, the unseen forces behind it were not just metaphors. These were real threats, that what we're facing here is not just systemic problems, but there is an unseen force motivated to tear apart humanity. But here's what's fascinating about this, even if you don't believe that demons are true, is if I encountered something like the demonic, here's how I would report it if I came back to tell you about my travels and my experiences. I would be like, guess what? I totally saw demons. But that's, that's not how they report it. Instead, they said, even demons backed down from us. You see, when I face enormous challenges, something I've never faced before, the bizarre world that we're living in right now, often the pain or the problem becomes the headline. But here, these people who Jesus was delegating the miraculous to, they came back, and the power that they had at work within them, the, the victory that they had at work within them, that was the headline. 
The headline was, there was nothing that we can't face, Jesus, if you're in it, if you're behind it. Even demons submit to the power that you've given us. The impact that they were able to make, that was the headline. That was the real story. The bottom line was, we went out, we served, and we shared, and lives were changed. The world improved. Now, why these 72? I have no idea. If they were 72 specialists, uh, you know, highly trained seminary graduates, Luke would have talked about it if you know his biographies and his account of uh, the events, the historical events of the first churches, the book that we call Acts. You would know that he's extremely meticulous about his details. He didn't share anything about their qualifications. And so that leads me to assume that this was a mix of people, peasants and bureaucrats, educated, uneducated, in-crowd outcasts, this was all kinds of people. A random sampling of individuals, which is one thing in common, they were willing. They made the choice to act in faith, to jump in, because Jesus told them to do it. And the truth is, listen, as tough as the world is, as big as the challenges are facing us, the truth is God can do anything if you and I are willing to do something. God can do anything if you and I are willing to do something. God is not thwarted by your inability. He can start with your inability. God's not thwarted by your insecurity. He can work with your insecurity. God's not thwarted by your inadequacy. He uses inadequacy all the time. God, listen, God's not even thwarted by your biases and your pride and your greed, your sin and your addiction. He's not thwarted by the hate that sometimes rests in my heart and resentment and the grudges. He's not thwarted by any of that. He can start with any of that. He can redeem any of that. The only thing God can't do anything with is your inactivity. Listen, as God is looking at 2020, as crazy it is to us, God is not panicked. He's not panicked about COVID. He's not panicked about systemic racism. He cares very deeply, but he's not panicked about it. He is not panicked about the moral state of our world. He's not losing sleep as if God would sleep. He's not losing sleep over the economic and political state of our world. He is God. He knows what to do with the messes. He's activated in the messes. If God loses sleep at all, he's losing sleep over the motionless state of his people. That's the frustration. That's the hesitation. That's what's holding God's miracle back from from being in the, our radiuses, from, from God working his miracle through our lives. He has plenty of the miraculous waiting for people who are simply willing to serve. Nothing has to stop us. In, in the United States, and particularly in Los Angeles, as, as we've been facing our own racism and our own bigotry and the challenges and the violence with the latest headline and the latest uh, people killed and targeted because of the color of their skin, even during that crisis, there have been people that I know following the, the commands of Jesus who've gone to the, into the protests and they've brought water bottles and face masks for those protesting and for law enforcement. There are people during the COVID crisis who decide to go shopping for people who are more confined than others, people who are donating toilet paper and paper towels. And I don't know if it was like this in South Africa, but I hear people hoarded that stuff right away when everything went into lockdown. We have people serving around us who are providing handyman services for those who have incomplete construction projects in their homes and none of those needed services were able to work because of the crisis out here, so they were activated to serve. They couldn't do everything, but they could do something. 
You know, some of us, if we're honest, believe that God could hang the stars, that he could get us into heaven, that he could part the sea, but we struggle to believe that God can use us when the challenges of life are bearing down on us. No longer do I want to live a life where that's an excuse for me any longer. I want to live a life where I'm willing to always do something rather be, than be a victim of my circumstances is to step into the messes of the world to see the miraculous happening. Picking up the phone and calling people who come to mind, who might be closed off in this season to provide care, voice-to-voice connection with people. And as I've done that, people I haven't talked to in months, maybe even years in some cases, I've got to interact with people who are facing incredible pain. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone respond, you've called just at the right time, almost as though God was paying attention. He prompted you to call me because I knew, he knew that I needed this right now. There are simple ways that we don't have to be held back or held down where we can be a part of the miracle that God wants to do. I know this stuff seems ordinary. I mean, we started the whole talk with a vision of miracles, and this seems so mundane, but if the scriptures teach us anything, if the life and the foot washing and the simplicity of the death of Jesus teaches us anything, it's that God buries the miraculous in the ordinary. Now, we've got all sorts of televised versions of big, grandiose, glittery faith healers and psychic surgeons, and they promise great big things, and you see these displays of miracles happening, and of course the camera's cut before we can verify if that person ever actually got healed or if that prediction ever came true. But those faith healers and some of those psychic surgeons, they have this little dirty trick, and it works so perfectly every time. If the healing doesn't happen, they've got a backup plan. They have a contingency for that. If the prediction doesn't come true, it's not because they were off or God wasn't using them. It's because, listen, you didn't have enough faith, is what they'll tell you. Let me assure you, that is never the problem. Jesus said that even the smallest amount of faith in the strongest God makes mountains move. Now, there are levels of faith, for sure, absolutely. And I know some of you have a faith big enough to know God's salvation. You have a faith big enough to know and trust that God is good. You have a faith big enough to sing grandiose songs about him that might help you in a time of confusion. Your faith is big enough to believe that God can make your dreams come true. But listen, this is the big question here. Is your faith big enough to serve? For some of us, that is going to be the biggest step of faith we've taken in our entire lives. Is your faith big enough to serve? Yeah, it would be nice to... See God make the sun stand still again or have him part that sea, but to be there when he convinces someone of his love, to be there when he reconciles two individuals across an impossible divide because of a pattern of abuse or bigotry in the past, to be there when someone who's felt left out and kept out who thought they could never be included finds a family in the body of Christ, to, to see a life come to Jesus and finally have a hope and a joy regardless of the circumstances of their lives. Man, that's his best work. That's the kind of miracle that God is still wanting to create every single minute of every single day through every single life. That's his greatest miracle, is reconciling people from life as they know it, life as we're used to it, to life as he knows it, reconciling us to himself. And the truth is, he's not going to exclude anybody who wants to be a part of that miracle. I have this friend who did work in the Arctic. Yeah, he's way cooler than me. 
uh, and he was telling me about his work up there a couple years ago, and he was telling me about people who live in the Arctic, and then I stopped him right there. I said, wait a minute, there's people who live in the Arctic, like now? He's like, yeah, of course there's people who live in the Arctic. And then he goes on, as if that wasn't remarkable. He says, you know the number one thing, the number one killer of people who live in the Arctic is? And I said, well, it's got to be the cold, right? He said, no, no, they figured that out. They figured out how to you know, survive the cold. The number one killer of people in the Arctic, and you might know this, is polar bears. And so in the village that he was working in, it's actually illegal for anyone to lock their doors. Why? Because if someone is running for their lives from a polar bear, they need to be able to burst into any door closest to them to avoid getting eaten alive by a polar bear. That's a crazy place. I'm glad I don't live there. But that is a powerful picture of what I think God wants to create in our lives. Listen to me. I am not saying you should serve because Prodeo Church needs more people to serve. I'm sure that they could always use more hands on deck, more help, of course, right? I'm not saying serve because you're being guilted into it. Um, I'm not even saying serve out of a sense of responsibility, although that's a perfectly fine motivator. I'm saying serve because God wants to open up your life to the world around you. There are people running for their lives, and you may be the first life that they come in contact with, and will your life be obviously open to people because you are serving, because you are compassionate, because you are reaching out, because maybe as they're running for their lives, in you they will find some shelter, and as they find shelter, they will find some hope. And as they find some hope in the person of Jesus, they might find out why they were running for their lives in the first place. They might find the thing they were running not away from, but toward their entire life. Listen, you're not gonna please everybody. You're not gonna solve every problem. You're gonna be inconvenienced. You might not get a trophy for it or any recognition. You're not gonna solve all of the world's problems. You might not ever obviously cast out a demon, although that would be pretty great. You might not change the world, but listen, if you have faith big enough to serve, you might change somebody's. That's my encouragement to you, Prodeo Church. Thanks so much for listening to me. I'm gonna pray for you right now. God, thank you so much that you are always prepared to do a miracle through anyone who is willing. You can do anything if we are willing to do something. God, for those who are feeling scared right now, where they feel like their life is just getting smaller, give them a vision today of how big their life could become, how much you could use them even now when they're facing so many challenges and crises. God, even now you could use them to impact the world around them. God, activate us, give us courage, give us humility, give us the heart of Jesus so that we could serve the real needs of the world around us. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if we would be willing to serve, we will get to be a part of the kind of miracles that not only we want to see in our world, but the kind of miracles you are so prepared to do in our world today. Jesus, we pray this in your name and in your power. Amen. Joseph, thank you so much for that message. I know it meant a lot to everyone at Prodeo, everyone watching this today. And I want to encourage you. He said there's nothing we can't face if Jesus is in it. So whatever problems you're facing in your own life, whatever problems God makes you aware of around you, we can face it in the power of Jesus if He is with us. So let's go out this week and look for a little place where you where God can do a miracle through you 
this week. We love you all. We appreciate you. Thank you for being part of our church, even during this crazy time. And again, I want to encourage you, if you want to contribute to the work that Prodeo is doing, and also to our COVID-19 relief fund, where, where that is a miracle in someone's life. If you want to contribute to, to either one, please go to our website, prodeo.org.za slash give. And follow one of the links. There's EFT details, there's a snap scan barcode. But please be faithful in your giving. Through your giving, our church has the opportunity not only to exist and but to also change lives dramatically. So thank you for being faithful. We will see you next week, same time, same place. If this message meant something to you, please share it. Get it out in the world. We love you all. See you next week. Bye.